Hello, and welcome to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast, an ongoing conversation about public policy, governance, and global issues. I'm your host, Matt Cadwallader, and today we're joined by Michael Tomaski, a Newsweek Daily Beast special correspondent, regular contributor to the New York Review of Books, and editor of Democracy, a Journal of Ideas. He's here to give an address as part of the Shorenstein Center's ongoing speaker series. Michael, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Matt. Nice to be here. So the subject of your talk at the Shorenstein Center was Obama's emergence as basically a liberal Reagan. Can you elaborate on that? Yes. Is is Obama uh, a transformative figure in American political history uh, in anything like the way that Ronald Reagan was? And and like or not like Ronald Reagan, uh, one can't deny, and, and I'm on the other side of the political parking lot than Reagan was, but uh, one can't deny that he was a transformational figure. He, he led a realignment uh, that uh, changed the coalitional nature uh, of American politics and uh, changed the priorities of American politics and certainly moved the center of gravity uh, well to the right of where it had been. Uh, so my talk uh, was about uh, can Obama do those kinds of things, and I think the answer is yes. Uh, if uh, <laughs> uh, we live in a more polarized country right now than we had in 1980, uh, so it was possible then, uh, and people who were alive and 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 uh, you know aware enough at the time to recall the 1980 election will recall that snap it was overnight that the country changed. 12 conservative senators elected with Reagan and Reagan came in with a you know very very different set of priorities and the country's priorities um, priorities and policies changed overnight well we live in as i said too polarized a, a situation now for it to happen overnight but i do think that if you take his big victories in the first term and if you match them to uh, two or three more potential big victories in the second term I think that by the time he leaves office, I think, yes, uh, Obama will have moved the center of gravity of American politics back to the left in a, in a considerable uh, fashion. So why a uh, liberal Reagan and not just a another Johnson or another FDR or something like that? Uh, because I, I, it's the freshest in political memory, uh, in historical memory, uh, and... Uh, and I think most people can grasp pretty easily. I realize a lot of people are, are younger and don't have any living memory of Reagan, but but many Americans still do. And I think most people can grasp that that yes, that things really changed. Things really changed uh, at that time, and um, so it, it just seemed to me the most obvious comparison. So uh, Obama had several key accomplishments in his first term, uh, health care, um, some smaller ones like uh, reforming um, college loans, uh, which was actually part of the health care yeah. um, bill. Uh, can, is there an actual comparison in terms of major accomplishments that you would, uh, you would say Reagan had that Obama's mirror or – Yes, I would. I would. Now, of course, Reagan didn't seek a lot of domestic policy legislation because Republicans aren't that interested in a lot of aspects of domestic policy. Uh, but Reagan did change um, uh, uh, the tax rates in the country very dramatically and uh, cut them very dramatically. And uh, and he did change a few things about about budgeting in the country. 
this is something that you know didn't necessarily sink through to most people, but was a big, big deal in Washington. Uh, but I think Obama's achievements, I mean, they're really... Uh, now, for this, Johnson and Roosevelt are the more apt comparisons, and you have to go back to one of those two, maybe Johnson, probably Roosevelt, to find a string of um, of, of legislative uh, accomplishments, um, health care, financial regulation, uh, the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, uh, uh, and others that Obama has accomplished. Both of these presidents uh, share a, um, a predecessor who would left office fairly unpopular, um, Bush and Carter. Do you think that it, that has any impact on whether you know they were those figures? I mean, are they inherently those those transformative figures, or is it just that the country saw the opposite side and it didn't go well, and they were just moving into something new? Uh, that's an important part of, of transformation. Um, there's no question about it. The historical moment has to be right. And, uh, and you know, it isn't always right. But, but it, it was, you know, in 1980, uh, it was pretty clear that the country was, was just ready. It was kind of fed up and was kind of ready for a different direction. And uh, it was true not nearly to the same extent, but it was true to a considerable extent in 2008. Uh, that the country was ready to go somewhere else. And I think it's still true. Um, and and this is part of where I think Obama benefits from something that he didn't necessarily cause. Uh, but, boy, the country is changing, you know. And, and the last election proved uh, with the um, passage of those same-sex marriage resolutions in Maryland and Minnesota and Maine and and with the passage of you know the marijuana legalization initiatives in two states um, you know, this country has changed it's a really different country than it was eight or ten years ago so uh, Obama's Obama's transformation is wrapped up in that as well so you've said that uh what Democrats, and this is quoting you, what Democrats have typically not done well since Reagan's time is connect their policies to their larger beliefs. Is is Obama just a better communicator at that, or have they even done that? Um, he's done it pretty well. <clears throat> he's done it pretty well. Uh, what I meant by that sentence, I can't remember the exact context in which I wrote it, but it's a few years old, and what I think I meant was that um, uh, <clears throat> Democrats are still rather gun shy about saying what they really believe, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> which is to say, mainly they're gun shy about defending government and and saying without apology that the public sector has things that only it can do, and that and that we must turn to the public sector uh, for these functions. Um, Obama says that a little bit more directly, I think, than than Bill Clinton did, and and he says it uh, in his uh, Kansas speech, for example, in uh, late two thousand and eleven. He said it, and he says it sometimes on the campaign trail. He still says it a little warily, but at least he says it. Mm -hmm.
you also said that uh, uh, there's a big difference between the Democrats and Republicans in the way they approach politics. Uh, you've characterized the Republicans as uh, doing something along the lines of political warfare, um, where uh, you know it's not just about uh, winning the p- policy, uh, winning in the policy arena, but also trouncing the Democrats, crushing them. Yeah. Um, do you think that that is um, that seems to have gotten worse under Obama? Is, oh, far worse. <laughs> it's insane. Is 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 it possible for a president uh, to kind of really make a transformation, a full transformation, politically, ideologically, of the country um, when you know he's facing that kind of resistance? I mean, you know, Johnson had sixty-seven Democratic senators right. to work with, right. um, and uh, you know. Reagan had a Democratic House, but it wasn't quite as uh, intransigent. No. Um, so, is it can he actually, you know, achieve, make those achievements and seem like he did more to push the ball yeah, forward? Yeah, for yeah his, it's uh, a beliefs? very it's a very good point, and it's and it's a and it's a point of great difficulty for him, and also in terms of his legacy, because he's got an opposition party that just won't negotiate with him, that just won't talk to him. Um, the the opposition party responding to a base, uh, um, and not all Republicans by any means, but a very sizable chunk of them, uh, a base that insists that if they cooperate with Obama, that is not cooperation with an opposite political party. That is capitulation to an enemy. And that's how this base thinks. That's how they've been revved up to think by Rush Limbaugh and Fox and all these people. Isn't that and true of Democrats and it's you know, not as true. very no. liberal people as well? No, it's not as true. I mean, it's partly true because like, that's the nature of our, of our political system these days. But, but it started with the Republicans, when, in, with Gingrich, really. Uh, is where it started, and and you know the Republicans are still much more like this, and it's just you know, particularly in Congress, and I have the numbers, I know the numbers, I've written many many columns about these numbers, and anybody who wants to dispute me on this has to confront the numbers. Democrats in Congress do not vote uniformly and unanimously against Republican presidents in anything like the way Republicans have voted unanimously and uniformly against Barack Obama's initiatives. Uh, The Democrats, uh, when George W. Bush was president, uh, a good chunk of them supported the Iraq War. Uh, A a few of them, a number of them, not a huge number, but a number of them supported his tax cut. Um, A lot of them supported his No Child Left Behind, and a number of them supported his Medicare reform. and uh, Obama's Republican votes on his major legislative initiatives have been like zero, 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 and two. So it's not remotely the same thing. You've said that conservatives are moving away from kind of the mainstream. Uh, you've actually called out some conservative commentators uh, for not calling out their party for moving to that kind of uh, the lockstep vote. Mm-hmm. Um do you ever face that kind of difficulty in choosing uh, between perhaps what you earnestly believe and what you think is politically feasible, as I assume many uh, political commentators do? Sure. And I probably err too much on the side of the politically feasible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have several critics to my left uh, who who have, have a go at me. Uh, Glenn Greenwald is a very prominent one. 
uh, <coughs> who um, was after me just a couple of weeks ago because I wrote that, uh, uh, and other people were too. And I, you know, I I'm fine with it. Let a hundred flowers bloom. I mean, it's it's a free country. Um, but this was on the subject of, of the drones and the, and, and the targeted killings. And, and I wrote a piece that said, you know, it's a reasonable question as to whether an American citizen has given up his due process rights when he joins uh, an enemy organization, an organization that's, that's uh, dedicated to, you know, uh, you know, bringing harm to the United States. It's, it's a fair question. Um, so uh, I probably err. And then I always, you know, even on domestic political things, I I tend to pro- I probably tend to think more about what's politically possible than here's the right thing to do and I don't care whether it's politically possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, uh, I mean I think about those things all the time. But the other thing that I would say um, uh, to address your point a little bit more directly is that you know when I call on David Brooks and and several of his uh, uh, comrades to call out the Republicans for their fanaticism. Uh, I have a track record of doing the same thing on my side. And, uh, you know, going back to the 90s, I mean, I have written, you know, when I thought that liberalism or the left or in some cases the Democratic Party uh, was uh, going off some edge, I wrote it. I've always written it. Uh, So I think I'm on pretty firm ground. So what is your uh, vision for the next few years? The president has, you know, three and a half, over three and a half years left in his term. He has one midterm election to worry about. Uh, Can he get substantive legislation passed in that time? I think he can. I do. I think it's, it's going to be very tough, but he's got public support. He's got public support for his positions. I know that, you know, we live in a cesspool of corruption and money and lobbyists and, and you know, fanaticism and the NRA and so on and so forth. But at some point, public opinion does matter. It doesn't always win by any stretch of the imagination, but it often wins. It often does win. It won in the fiscal cliff vote in January when Republicans in the Senate, when even Fox News was saying, Republicans, this is going to be a disaster. This is, you're going to get the blame, and you have to vote for this. That's public opinion at work. Mm-hmm. So public opinion supports comprehensive immigration legislation. Public opinion supports um, background checks and uh, ban on extended uh, magazines and ban on assault weapons. I don't know that he's going to get all of this stuff, but I, I, I'm reasonably hopeful that uh, with the right kind of organizing, and that's an important point, with the right kind of organizing. Field organizing, you mean. Field organizing. Uh, I do think that uh, there are some more victories to be had. Yes. Well, Michael Tomaski, thank you so much for being on PolicyCast today. Appreciate Thanks. It. Really enjoyed it. You've been listening to PolicyCast, a production of Harvard Kennedy School. More information can be found at hkspolicycast.org.